0: The following audio is from Downtown Church, a kingdom-focused, gospel-centered, multi-ethnic, multi-class ministry in Memphis, Tennessee. For more information, please visit downtownchurch.com. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Welcome again to Downtown Church. I am excited to um, be with you today. I'm always excited for Sunday morning. Well, I can't lie, y'all. This is not my first time preaching, but I woke up um, extra excited to preach this morning. Um, I had to tell myself to calm down, save your energy. I felt my adrenaline being used a little bit too early. Um, but So I'm excited. Um, so pray with me. And um, But before I get to the sermon, I just want to welcome all of our guests and visitors. I see a lot of uh, new faces. I just want to welcome you um, give you a warm welcome, but I also want you to know that I see y'all, see some of y'all sit in the back and then try to leave right out the church without being spoken to, all right? We want to meet you. We want to get to know your name. We want to hear your story. So, please, um, um, if you haven't already, um, stop and fill out one of our connection cards at the table just so we can get to know you. And also, y'all, who can tell me what's happening in two weeks? Nobody. It's not a fish fry. Sunday school, all right. Who is excited about Sunday school? Clap it up, clap it up, clap it up, clap it up. And um, I'm not an all-state rep trying to, you know, sell you car insurance right now, but I am about to try to sell you Sunday school. Sunday school is not the old school Only the old people go to Sunday school, all right? Here at downtown church, we said, how can we um, build and minister to and equip our people? And we all said we want to put all of our baskets in Sunday school. So if you are one week old or if you are 99 years old, we have a class for you and we want you to invest and be a part of that. And Sunday School starts on August 22nd um, at 9 o'clock, from 9 o'clock to 10 o'clock. You're going to have a 30-minute um, um, coffee window. We're going to have coffee served for you. Um, and then we're going to come in here and worship. And also, um, as our tears prayed, we are aware of the COVID numbers going up, especially amongst children um, and just this whole RSV thing. So if you are um, concerned or just want to learn more, we have some doctors in our church who are going to host a Zoom call this evening at 5 p.m. to just speak to us, Um, just um, give us knowledge and answer any questions that you may have um, regarding COVID and the vaccine and what's safe and what's not safe. So that's tonight at 5 p.m., and we're also going to have a COVID seminar again next Sunday at 9.30 a.m. in the morning. And you can um, read the rest of the announcements um, in the bulletin. But without further ado, as I've already said, I'm excited to um, preach this word. So will you just bow um, in prayer with me as as I pray? Dear Heavenly Father, you are the Lord God who reigns who saves, who sees us in the midst of. You are the God who keeps us, Lord. That is why we worship you. And Lord, we worship you, and we have to fight to say we need you because, Lord, we know how much we need you, but, Lord, we are so prone to wander away from you. So, Lord, we come to you right now, and I ask, Lord, that your word speaks to us, Lord, that your word encourages, Lord, that your word um, rebukes when, where it's needed, Lord, that your word lifts up where it's needed, Lord, that overall, Lord, that we see you, Jesus, high and lifted up. Lord, that you be glorified and that we may be edified, Lord. I pray, Lord, that you speak to me right now in a powerful way. And I pray this, and all God's people say, amen. Um, so, I'm sure that many know and believe that the Lord calls those to follow Him to change the way that you live, right? But not only is the Lord calling those who follow Him to change the way that you live, but did you know that the Lord is calling you to change the way that you rest? Or maybe I should say the Lord is calling you to change the way that you think about rest. Because many of us, our perspective of rest is that rest is nothing more than a pit stop or a halftime. It's a short break to give us a little fuel to keep, to get back in the game, to keep playing. Um, our physical rest at night as we lay down and go to sleep is nothing but a pit stop to give you the feel you need to go to work tomorrow. Our vacation is a pit stop to give us fun and joyful memories only to come back and do it all over again and we just work, 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 waiting for the next vacation. My freshman year in college, one game in particular, um, we had to play in Monroe, Louisiana, deep south Louisiana, and it was 107 degrees with a heat index of 117 degrees. We didn't even want to come out the locker room how hot it was. In the first quarter, I had three teammates pass out from full body cramps, and my whole team could not wait for halftime so we could escape the heat, get some A.C., and get some ice-cold Gatorade. And this is how many of us think about rest. It's just a quick escape. It's a pit stop. But this morning in Exodus, God is going to show us that the rest that he commands us to It's not a brief pit stop, but it's a way of life that transforms us. It's not just a brief pit stop, but it's an ongoing way of life that transforms us. Because a pit stop keeps us the same, but God is seeking you and me to be transformed by teaching us what His Sabbath is. So, without further ado, let's look at Exodus chapter 20, beginning at verse 2. And this is God speaking. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Now, looking at verse 8, God says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the surgeon who is within your gates. Why? For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them. And he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Now looking at Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 12. Again, God said, observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord God commanded you. Verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. This is the word of the Lord. I'd like to title this sermon and answer the question this morning, um, Why Sabbath? Why Sabbath? The word Sabbath comes from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which literally means to stop, to cease. So the literal meaning of Sabbath day is to stop, to stop working, to stop worrying, to, to simply stop but I'd like to give us a fuller definition of Sabbath. Sabbath is stopping in a restless world to receive the rest that you need from Yahweh. Sabbath is stopping in a restless world that tells you you have to keep going to get what you need to get, to get what you really need from the one true God who is Yahweh. And we need to see how radical and countercultural and revolutionary God commanding Israel to not, to not work was to them and even for us today. Let's do a brief uh, recap. Israel is in the wilderness right now, and where are they coming out of? They have come out of 430 years of slavery in Egypt, where they were forced to work without a break in sight. That Israel were slaves to an empire that had been oppressing human beings, making it to be a pyramid after pyramid, statue after statue, brick after brick. And world history tells us that Egypt was the most powerful empire during this time. And world history also informs us that when a new pharaoh or a new leader came in power, they would have the last pyramid and the last statue destroyed because they didn't want the last Pharaoh to be remembered, and he built himself a new, pharaoh, a new pyramid and a new statue. So for Israel, this is a never-ending workday without a break in sight. So Egypt, this powerful nation, became wealthy from the labor of, of these poor Israelites, and Egypt was so hungry for more, more power and more wealth that they even had so much stuff that they built for themselves, store cities. See, many of you, you might have an outhouse or, an, or a shed to store your extra stuff. You might even need to go pay to rent a storage unit, but Egypt was so powerful, they were so hungry to get more stuff that they had to go out and actually build cities called store cities just to store their extra stuff. And these Israelites, they were slaves whose bodies and souls were worked until they fell over and died. They didn't get a Sabbath, a day off, because there was always more to be done and more to be gained. But thank goodness, Egypt is dead, right? Thank goodness, America, we are not Egypt. Right? Um, John Mark Comer, Pastor Reeves' favorite author who he has quoted in every sermon this past year, um, I have decided to pick up on his trick. Um, John Mark Comer says that Egypt is alive and well today. You hear that? He said, Egypt is alive and well today because we live in a culture of more. A culture of lust, lust for what? More food, more drink, more clothes, more devices, more apps, more things, more square footage, more experiences, more stamps on our passports. We live in the culture of more, more, more. And, and not only do we live in the culture of more, but, I, but we live in the culture of, um, I'm going to call it by, by any means necessary. You know, I got to go get it by any means necessary. I'm going to work, 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 grind, grind, and grind to get what I need by any means necessary. I'm Eric Thomas, um, E.T. He, he's a famous professional motivational speaker. And y'all, right now, if, if T was to stand before us, he could literally give a speech that could make us go out and and believe that we could beat the USA team in a basketball game. Like, that's how passionate he is. Like, this is his job. And he gets paid hundreds of thousands of dollars to go travel the country to to motivate um, different teams. That corporations like FedEx and Coca-Cola even hires him in to come in and motivate their employees. And E.T. gives these, these passionate speeches encouraging you to work harder to go out there and get it. And y'all, when I was in college, I listened to one video E.T. made every day. And in this video, he said, you got to want to be successful as bad as you want to breathe. That's how he talked. That's how he talked. He talked like, you got to want to be successful as bad as you want to breathe. He said, you got to want it more than you, than you want that next breath. He said you got to be so focused and driven on your goal that you lose sleep. You got to be so focused that you forget that you haven't eaten it in three days because you are so focused on working to achieve your goal. And y'all, I, I, I used to listen to that every day. I used to wake up at 5 a.m. I got to get it. I got to get it. I don't need to eat even though I'm about to pass out. I got to want it, right? Right? And we, in this culture, praise that. We praise the story of the man or the woman who who sacrificed it all just to make it. We've been watching the Olympics for the past weeks, and we hear all of the stories of how these people sacrifice, social lives, their relationships just to work to achieve this medal. And we praise this in our culture. This is what we praise. But after further review, we shall admit this. We shall admit this. Why? Because this is Egypt. This is a life of slavery. This is a life that keeps you on the rat wheel always running and chasing the imaginary cheese of life always searching for more, but never being satisfied, and instead of its work giving you life, it's actually leading you down the path of destruction. You might say, how am I on the path of destruction? Well, we know doctors can, can can tell us if you don't rest right, you it will destroy not only your bodies, but your mind. And not only does it destroy our body and our minds, but the refusal to rest actually destroys our relationships with those closest to us and I can't help but think of Jesus' words when he says, "You have gained the whole world, but you forfeited your soul." and our refusal to rest, we think we are gaining and building, but in actuality we are losing and destroying. So when it comes to God commanding us, Again, I say commanding us, not suggesting to us, but He commands us that we should Sabbath. It comes primarily for two different places in the Old Testament. In these two different places, God gives us two different reasons on why we are to Sabbath. So, reason number one, we Sabbath because God created and designed us to rest in Him. We Sabbath because God created and designed us to rest in Him. Look, Again, in Exodus chapter 20, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. Remember the Sabbath. Um, you may have grown up in Sunday school like I did, but have you ever stopped to think, why is this a commandment? Why is God commanding us to stop working and rest? Because if you're like me, I clearly see why all of the commandments are a commandment except this one right here. You know, God said… you should have no other God before me. Okay, cool. I get that. We should worship you and you alone. That's clear. God said you should honor your mother and your father. I get it. Respect your parents. That's clear. God said don't kill, don't steal, don't lie, don't covet your neighbor. That's clear. God, thank you for commanding us not to kill each other. That is great. But why do we have to keep the fourth commandment? Why is God commanding us not to rest, but to Sabbath? And God says, remember, which means that the Israelites have already known about the Sabbath. See, Israel knew about keeping the Sabbath because they knew the story of creation. And the fourth commandment points us back to the creation in Genesis chapter 1. So, what do we see when we look back? It says, God created the heavens and the earth. And day one, God with his divine voice said, let there be light, and there was light. And he called the light day, and he called the darkness night. Then day two, God separated the waters from the water and made the sky in the heavens. Then day three, God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together in one place and let dry land appear, making the seas and the ground that we walk on. And then God said, let the ground sprout food and plants and seed and fruit trees. And then God said, whoa, this is good. Then day four, God said, let me create the stars and the moon and the sun so that mankind can measure days and time and seasons. And God said, this is good. And then day five, God said, let me create creatures to swim in the sea and animals to roam the earth. Again, he said, it's good. And then on day six, God kind of slowed down a little bit. He, he, he came down low and he, and he picked up some dust and began to form man in his hand, in his image. And he designed man in such a special way. God said, Let me make man's skin able to sweat so they can stay cool when it gets too hot. God said, Let me give them a mouth and put a tongue in their mouth with taste buds on their mouth so they can enjoy all of the different flavors that I have created. Thank you, God, for taste buds and season. Season your food, people. Season your food. It's God's gift to you. Amen. And then God breathed life into this clay shell, and then blood began to flow, and the heart began to beat, and then there was the creation of man, and God stepped back and said, this is very good. Woo. He said, it's finished. And then day seven, the Bible tells us that God rested. God rested. You may be thinking, um, if God is God, why did he have to rest? If God is all-powerful, omnipotent, um, all these things that we say, Almighty El Shaddai, if he is who he says he is, why did he have to rest? Well, let me affirm to you that he is all of that, but, but when God rested, it's not the ideal of he needed to rest to be re- rejuvenated to, to catch his breath. It means that he simply stopped working. So, on day seven, God stopped working and many scholars say that God rested on day seven to model to us that we should rest. Um, that God, being all-powerful, knows that we are not all-powerful, that we are limited, and that He gives us the blueprint, He models to us that we need to rest. I get that. I kind of read it. I'm like, uh, I get that. I do believe that God rested to model to us rest, but... I think that, that that God did more than the rest on day seven. He just didn't lay down and take a nap, but God enjoyed his creation. God spent day seven delighting in what he had just spent six days creating. He he marveled at the power of the waterfall. God listened to the hummingbirds sting, sing and the Bumblebee theme. I'm trying to rhyme. He, he listened to the um, to the frog leap and the grizzly bear sleep. Come on now, he 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 watched the dog bark and the some some sorry. Okay, that's all I got. I ain't no rapper. But God enjoyed His creation. Do we see it? That you were created by an infinite God for an infinite God. That God created you for Him, and we are only at rest in and with God. And that you were created and designed to run off God, just like those cars outside are designed to run off gas. And in God's perfect design, you and I were created to find our satisfaction, our fulfillment, our joy, our everything in His presence but we in America want to live like Egypt. Instead of living in how we are designed by resting in Yahweh, we believe that we are designed for more, more work, more money, and more pleasure. But this thirst and hunger for more is what actually leaves us broken because we are not operating in in how God designed us to operate. Again, John, Mark Comer, Our bishop's favorite author says, human desire is infinite because we were made to live with God forever in his world, and nothing less will ever satisfy us. So, what do we do? Our only hope is to put desire back in its proper place on God, and to put all other desires in in their place below God. Dallas Willard says, desire is infinite. We always are desiring more because we were made by God. Made for God, made to need God and made to run on God, we can be satisfied only by the one who is infinite, eternal and able to supply our every need. We are only at home at rest in God. This is why we sabbath, because God designed us for this. Our desires are met when we stop and trust in Yahweh. And reason number two why we Sabbath, and this is my last reason, I'm going to wrap it up. We Sabbath because it reminds us of who God is. Oh, my goodness. I'm about to get ready to preach now. I'm about to get ready to preach. We Sabbath because of who God is. It reminds us of who He is, and it teaches us about ourselves. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 5 with me again. It says, observe the Sabbath day, keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. You shall remember that you were, you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. See, see, Moses and Deuteronomy is just retelling the Ten Commandments. In Exodus, he says that you are to Sabbath, pointing back to creation because you were designed this way. And in, in, in Deuteronomy, he says that you Sabbath because you were slaves in Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out. And before God even gives the Ten Commandments, he God lays the foundational reasons for why we should even... Keep the Ten Commandments, why we should even obey Him and trust Him in this. He says, You are to trust me because I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt and the house of, of slavery. That you are to trust me based upon who I am. So, what does this have to do anything with Sabbath? What does this have to do with stop working? See, when we set aside time to intentionally remember who God is, um, we begin to remember not only who He is, but we remember what He has already done for us. See, God told Israel, remember that you were a slave. You were afflicted. You were heavily oppressed. You were tired and weary, but with my right hand, I brought you out. With my hand I saved you, I redeemed you. I am the Lord your God who clothed you and shabbled you with silver and gold even when you was leaving Egypt. And I'm the one who has done all of this already, and I'm the one who is walking with you, keeping you day after day. Remember that I am the Lord your God. See, God wants Israel to use the Sabbath day to stop working, to stop chasing for more, to be reminded of God's faithfulness. See, the Sabbath was to remind Israel that the one who spoke the world into existence is the same one who is actively walking with them day after day. And yeah, sometimes um, the everyday burdens of life, going to school, having to meet another deadline, relational problems, sick parents… Wayward children, a bad report from the doctor not being where you want in your life has a way of bringing about anxiety, depression, fear, doubt. It, it has a way of, of making us lose sight of, of who God is. and We begin to think that we are on our own and have to find a solution to, to these problems on our own, and we even may begin to doubt God. We may ask the question, God, um, are you really there? Why am I still struggling with this? Where are you, God? And even good times, peaceful times, wealthy, prosperous times have a way of making us lose sight of who God is. But when you stop, take a break, turn your attention to God, you begin to go down memory lane. And when you go down memory lane, you begin to remember how God has already brought you out of Egypt once. Um, you remember how you was once so low that you thought about taking your life. You remember that time you had more bills than, than you had money, but God said, I'm going to bring you out. You, you began to remember that time you felt like your whole world was falling apart. When you lost your job, you lost your money, your A.C. went flat. I know our tell you, your tire went out the other day, then you came home and your A.C. was out too. I don't know. But even in these times, we remember how God has already brought us out. So, now I want to ask you, and I want you to think about what is your Egypt? What has God already delivered you from? Remember that. Remember how it was God who stopped you from taking your life. It was God who brought back that wayward child. It was God who kept you all alone. And maybe right now you are sitting here and you are in your Egypt right now. Well, let me tell you some good news. Yahweh, the one true God, says that I am near the brokenhearted. And Jesus has already given us the free invitation that if we come to him, he will give us rest. All who are tired, he is not too far off to be touched. He's not too high to be reached. All we have to do is call on his name, and he promises he will be there for you. This is the blessing of Sabbath. It reminds us of just who God is. Um, I'm about to tell y'all a story. I'm about to be vulnerable with y'all, okay? Okay? But don't use it against me, okay? Can I trust y'all? I can trust y'all. All right. So many of you guys know LG, Legero Collier, right? Um, me and him are good friends, and we wasn't always good friends. We knew each other for a couple years, but we became, like, super close going on a mission trip together. And we went on a mission trip two months to Johannesburg, South Africa. And it's funny because he was dating his now wife, Sade, and I was dating my now wife, Jade. And when we got to Africa, we and our cell phones didn't work. So what that mean? We can't talk to our babies back home. and and we could only talk to them for about two minutes once a week when we got just a little bit of Wi-Fi, but the Wi-Fi was so bad that we could barely talk to them. So I think it was probably, I don't know how long we lasted. It was probably week two, week three, when we had our first uh, meltdown, our first heart-to-heart. This is the night me and LG became close. We were sitting outside the KFC. Yes, they had KFC in Africa. Um, We were sitting outside KFC. We had just gotten a little Wi-Fi, He called Sade, and she didn't pick up. He was sad. I called Jade. She didn't pick up. I was sad. Then all these these insecurities, these, these doubts started to flester up. LG looked at me. He said, what if she didn't pick up because she's on a date with another guy? I said, dang, that's messed up, bro. And LG put his head down. Then I said, "What if Jay forgets about me? What if she stops loving me?" I put my head down. And we didn't cry to each other, but we cried to each other in our hearts, if you know what I mean. But in this, in this low time, I remembered that Jay gave me something right before I got on that plane to go to Africa. Jay gave me some letters. She gave me eight letters. One to read each week while I was gone. Week one, week two, week three, week four. She ain't did nothing like that since, but, you know, she did back then. She was romantic back then. I'm just playing. I'm just playing, babe. I'm just playing. Um, um, but, but, but these letters were to be a declaration of her love and, and her commitment that whenever I began to doubt, I could go back and remember. I could go back and be reminded of of how much she loves me, how much she cares for me, how how she misses me as well. And when we Sabbath in the midst of this busy world, in in the midst of the burdens and the trials of life, we sit down and we just be reminded and shower down with God's words, His affections over us. We remember great is Thou faithfulness, we remember that I am a more than the conqueror for those who are in Christ Jesus. We remember that God has already said there, there's nothing past, present, or future that can separate you from my love. We remember the word that says, I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his kids begging for bread. So God is my provider. God is my protector. God will bring me out of this. See, this is the blessing of Sabbath of when we stop, when we turn off this world, when we trust God, when we get down on our knees before God and say, God, I don't care about nothing else because you are all that I need. My life is in your hands. Why? Because you are the Lord, my God, who has already brought me out of Egypt. You have already brought me out of slavery, and you are the God who keeps me day by day, day by day. See, see, see. that's who God is, and, and what I love about God is that I spent my whole life in church, and I used to see my mom shouting in church, and I used to always make fun of my mom. I used to always say, Mama, there she go again, breaking her high heels, shouting around in church, praising God, but I, I didn't know who God meant to her. She, I didn't know what God was doing behind the scenes in my heart in my own household. See, let me just tell y'all a quick story. I remember one day, my mom, she told me, she said, son, do you want to know why I'm shouting right now? I said, yes, go ahead, and tell me. She said, because I got laid off from my job. I got a pay cut, and it's, and it's Christmas time. And she said, I got a MLGW cutoff notice. that said that the light was going to get cut off. And it's Christmas time, and, 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 and you still want your gifts, and I'm still trying to make this house a, a happy home. And she said um, that she said, You know what? I'm just going to give it to God. She said, I'm going to go and, and, and buy my son and daughter some gifts so they can feel love. She said the refrigerator was empty, so she looked at, the, at her bank account, and the money was low. And she said, You know what? We ain't about to be hungry. So she went ahead and spent her last dollars. On groceries. But then she said, she said, she owed MLG, MLGW something like $300 in out of nowhere a check came in the mail for $300. And she said, did you know why I'm shouting right now? Because this is who God is. That He is the keeper. He is the way maker. He is the one who sees you day after day. He is the one who walks with you. No matter where you are, no matter what you have done, no matter what you are going through, He is God. Here is God. Now, I see that I have passed my time, so let me go ahead and sit down. And I know you may be, I have talked a lot about why we Sabbath. You may be sitting there thinking, okay, how do I Sabbath? Let me just give you five tips on how to Sabbath. One, you can contemplate. The Bible requires that we come together and worship, but you should get alone and pray and journal and read and reflect on the goodness of God. Contemplate. Two, you take time to nurture the relationships around you. This is time with your family. Set an intentional time, building time with your family. Three, unplug from, te- from technology. This is a day of rest, not a day of, of preparation for the next work week. Truly Rest. Four, fellowship with, with, with other believers. Um, invite them into your homes. Eat together, laugh together, spend intentional times getting to know each other and spurring each other on. And five, get away in nature and enjoy God's creation just like he did on day seven. And above all, no matter what you do, remember the Lord of the Sabbath, who is Jesus Christ himself, who has already said, come to me, Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you, Lord, that you are the Lord our God. You, Lord, I thank you, Lord, that somehow you are so powerful that you can say "Let there be lights and there came a universe. And yet, Lord, you are so caring, Lord, that you come down, Lord, and you walk with us. Lord, even when you are quiet, Lord, we know that you are there. And Lord, I not just pray, Lord, that you build our trust, build our faith in you. As we just sung, Lord, let our lives be built on the true foundation of your love, your goodness, and your faithfulness. Lord, I, I pray, Lord, that we all don't just be hearers of your word, but we be doers of your word, Lord, that we leave here inspired to Sabbath each day, spending time with you each day. I pray this prayer, and I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.